0: The girls, children of all ages, you are about to enter a world of darkness. A world where life and death are meaningless and pain is God. Woo! What? i oh, just just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Hello, and welcome to Horror Nights In Podcast with me, your host, Crystal, where we talk about anything and all horror. I give you my honest and horrific opinion on a different horror movie every week. I drop spoilers. I never lie. I always keep it real. Sometimes I do specials, and sometimes I have co-hosts. So to keep up with all things horror and the Horror Nights In Podcast, please join my Twitter horror family by following me at HorrorDaddiesRUs. Also, be sure to check out my Instagram at Horror Nights and Podcast. Also, be sure to follow my podcast on whatever app you use. I am available for your listening pleasure on SoundCloud and iTunes. Definitely hit that subscribe button, too. Uh, It notifies you every single time I post a new show. Also, if you guys have any friends that love horror movies, tell them about my podcast. Tell a friend, you know. Let them know how great my podcast is. Also, guys, be sure to uh, check out my iTunes as well and leave me a uh, rating and a comment because I will do them on air. So let's see if we have any new ones. Um, I want to start doing these in the beginning of the show just so that you guys can get um, my honest opinion right in the beginning. So obviously, we're going to talk about some stuff before we get into the podcast or the the movie for this evening. So it looks like there are no new, um, comments, but it looks like I have about 20 ratings now. So definitely, um, check out the ratings and review section and leave me a rating and definitely leave me a comment. Cause I love hearing from you guys. Um, okay. So, before we even get into anything at all, I just want to let you guys know that I am currently sitting in my apartment it is Friday night 8:20 at night and I am literally exhausted from this week and I'm not sure if it's because I've been working out a ton this week or I've just been doing a lot of I've just been you know, a lot on my plate this week. Um, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you know that I went to the movies last night, last night being Thursday night, um, to see the movie Us again with my sister. Um, she's been dying to see it, and we just didn't have time to go. We, we, our plans were to go on Sunday, but she had scheduling conflicts. So, and I, I've told everybody <laughs> that's in my life, and everybody in my life knows that I am not a fan of doing things after work, like Monday through Thursday. Um, obviously, tonight I'm in, I am home from my bartending job because I physically wanted to die earlier because I was at my other job, uh, my regular full-time job, and I don't know. I, something's just off this week, and I'm so tired, and so I got home from my other job And I slept for like six hours, and then I just woke up now, and tomorrow I have a super busy day. Um, I would not have been able to record tomorrow, I was actually going to push this episode to Sunday, but... I was just like, no, just, just get through it. You know, it's not, you know, it's not going to take that long. And so if I sound like I'm low energy guys, it is because I am. And as soon as I'm done with this podcast, I am literally just going to stuff my face, play some Sims and go right back to sleep because I have to be up early tomorrow. Um, but I wanted to record this podcast because I wanted to get it up because I know a lot of you guys have been requesting this movie. And uh, when I tweeted out at the beginning of April um, that the theme was Haunted Houses and I asked everybody what their favorite Haunted House movie was, Uh, you know, like 60% of you guys uh, said Hell House L-E-C or L-L-C, which is why I knew I had to do this movie. And I had to get it up when I said that I was going to get it up because it's my promise to you guys. Even though there's not like a ton of us, Um, it's still something that would have bothered me if I didn't have it up. So like I said, if I, if I'm a little low energy, it's just because I'm really fucking exhausted. I apologize. My phone is going off. Um, I thought I put everything on silent, but I did not. Um, Okay. Cell phone's going on silent. That was rude. Sorry, guys. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, we have a couple things to talk about before we get into the detailed summary of Hell House LLC. Um So, as I said, my sister and I, uh, we did get to go see Us again last night, and um, if you follow me on Instagram, you already know my thoughts. Um, Second time seeing it, uh, basically, it was a thousand times better than the first time I saw it. Now, no shade, you know, no tea to anybody that, uh, you know, was in the theater the first time I saw it. It was opening weekend. The theater was very packed. It was very loud. Um... And this time, last night when my sister and I went, um, there was maybe six other people besides us. So there was like eight of us total in the whole theater. It was very quiet. I was able to really focus on what was going on. I was able to look for things that I didn't catch last time. Um, So if you have seen the movie Us and you did not enjoy it the first time, I would definitely go see it again. Um, Now that you know the twist, now that you know the things that are... um, to look for now that you've hopefully looked up some Easter eggs and listened to um, critics not cynics episode of um, us that I did with him. I will link that in the description so you guys can check that out. It was a lot of fun. We we recorded that last weekend um, and he put it up on Wednesday. So if you guys have not listened to uh, the honest and horrific opinion of us on critics not cynics, uh, which is my friend Patrick's uh, podcast, um, definitely go check that out. Like I said, the link will be in the description below. Um, so I do highly suggest that you go see the movie again. Um, I know that it's going to leave theaters after this week, I believe. Um, so go see it now, or at least, you know, when it comes out on streaming or DVD or, or Blu-ray. Or, you know, whatever. Definitely go pick it up and and see it again. Watch it again. You know, just look for those things that you might have missed the first time. Because the first time that I went to go see this movie, I wasn't a big fan. Um, And I was like, "Mm, I don't really know if I liked it. But then last night, seeing it again, uh, I was like, this movie is fucking amazing and I urge anyone that has uh, seen it and didn't like it to go see it again or not even didn't like it. If, if you know, you saw it and you were kind of like, eh, I don't really know, um, I would urge you to go see it again. Um, I am hopefully going to be doing an us review with my sister i just have to convince her to do it with me (laughs) she's still a little podcast shy even though she is extremely intelligent when it comes to a lot of movies um especially horror because horror is her favorite genre just like her big sister so i'm hoping that i can convince her to try and do an episode um on our opinion of the movie us and kind of talk about some of the things that i didn't get to talk about on patrick's show um Okay, so moving on to some other business I want to talk about. Um, if you guys don't know, I do have a Patreon channel. Um, it's the same name, Horror Nights in Podcast. You can find it by searching on patreon.com. Um, if you do not follow me on my social medias then or listen to my other previous podcasts, then you uh, wouldn't know that I'm doing the entire uh, first season of The Haunting of Hill House. So basically what I'm doing is I'm doing commentary track and then immediately after the commentary track I give you my honest and horrific opinion on that episode. Um, so there's actually 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 two episodes up right now on my Patreon. Um, I think all you got to do is join the $5 or the $10 tier um, and you'll be able to get those commentary tracks right away. Um, Those are a lot of fun for me. Um, I didn't quite get the hype of the show uh, in the beginning, but now that I know the backstory of everything and then it's actually connected to The Haunting, which is the movie that I did last week. So if you haven't checked that out. That episode out, go check it out. Um, it's definitely more enticing. The movie is very scary. Or, I'm sorry, the series is very scary. Um, and so next week I usually put them out on Wednesdays. So next week you will get season one, episode three. Um, so yeah, if you guys love the haunting of Hill house, definitely go join my Patreon. Um, and you'll get full access to all that stuff along with a lot of other good stuff. So definitely go check that out guys. Um, because I really enjoy doing that and I'm definitely trying to, to kind of add some more elements to my show and give you guys, um, A lot of different components and elements, you know, just to keep you interested and definitely to come back and check me out every single week. Um, I've also been playing around with an idea this week um, by adding in kind of like a Horror Nights in IRL, so basically like Horror Nights in in real life where I want to talk about like serial killers and stuff. Now, I haven't announced this on my Twitter yet, so this is actually the first time I'm talking about it, so if you are listening to this and you want me to do something that's like that, um, definitely tweet me and let me know. I'll probably be doing a poll on my Twitter. Um, I want to kind of talk about some of the serial killers, uh, old, new, um, you know, past and present serial killers. Because last weekend I literally went down a wormhole of serial killers. So I started with uh, Scott Peterson and Lacey Peterson case, and then I went to uh, the Chris Watts case, and it all that shit just totally blows my mind. And I think it'd be something that would be interesting to talk about. Um, because I am very <laughs> into serial killers and um, I'm really, I know there's a ton of podcasts out there that are de- dedicated to true crime, but I just think it would be something cool to kind of do like, because I know that there are other podcasts out there that kind of do like side stories and things like that, where they talk about other things that aren't just about horror movies. So obviously the episode would be titled like Horror Nights and. IRL, so you would know <laughs> how to differentiate from my regular podcast. But yes, if you're listening to this now and you think it would be something that would be fun to maybe do, that for me to do, um, tweet me, tweet me, let me know. Okay. So, another thing that I want to talk about before we get into the um, movie um, for this evening is kind of like my uh, little chit-chat with 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 Crystal. I don't really know what I want to call this, but I have my notes in front of me and it says chit-chat with Crystal, so I don't know, maybe we'll call it that. Um, so, as you guys know, I kind of talk about my life before we get into this you know, the summary, um, the actual, you know, meat of the podcast just to just talk to you guys about my week so you kinda get to know me a little bit better and, you know, feel like there's something that maybe that I talk about that you can relate on. And this week I kinda wanna talk about people doing what they want. Um so over the years I've had, you know, failed relationships and, you know, failed friendships and um I, I just started to realize that people are going to do whatever they want at the end of the day. So what I mean by that is if if you're dealing with something in your life, and it could be you know a relationship with somebody, it could be a friendship with somebody, it could be a relationship with a family member, um, whoever it may be, um, and maybe you're having some difficulties with it. So for me, this week, I've been dealing with a lot of friendship issues. Um, I have a few people in my life that don't really. I haven't really been making an effort to even text me back. And one of my biggest, biggest, biggest pet peeves is when you reach out to somebody to to ask them how they're doing, ask them how they are. Um, you know, ask about their day or maybe tell them something that's going on in your life and they kind of don't answer back for five, six, seven, eight hours, 24 hours, however long it may be, but you continue to see them post on their social media. And, um, I think that's just one of the, the rudest things that, that somebody could do to somebody else is, and I, and I get it guys. I understand that, um, maybe sometimes you, at the end of the day, you just don't feel like talking to anybody and that's fine. And I honestly believe that it's okay to, you know, hit your friends back and be like, Hey, like I'm really busy right now. Like, let me answer your text message when I have a couple seconds. And I think that that it it takes about two seconds to send a text message. And I really think that it comes down to, to the person that you are and the person that you, that you want to be. So for me, I always try to be a better person than I was yesterday. I always try and challenge myself to be the best person that I can. Um, I love reading all kinds of books about mental strength and, um, you know, encouraging words. And I try to meditate and um, I really just try to always be the best possible person that I can be. And I think that always starts with yourself. You always have to love yourself and appreciate yourself before you can appreciate and love anybody else. And I truly believe that because when people in my life reach out to me and they want to vent to me and they want to ask me for advice or they just want to talk to me, I respect the fact that that's what they want to do. And I always make sure that I text those people back or call them back even if it just takes a couple seconds to be like it just be like hey like how's your day going or hey like i'm really busy right now let me text you back it's all about respect of that other person and i really think at the end of the day as i said earlier human beings are going to do whatever the fuck they want at the end of the day so if somebody is in your life right now that you feel is treating you like shit and is not putting your feelings, you know, into perspective and is kind of making up excuses as to why, you know, they're not texting you back or they're not hanging out with you. And like I said, guys, this could be a friendship. This could be a relationship. What I'm saying right now pertains to anything that could be going on in your life right now. What I urge you to do is do not give that person the time of day. They need to earn your respect. They need to earn the respect back. Now, this if this is someone that you've been close with for a very long time and they all of a sudden started acting shitty towards you, I 100% advise you to go talk to them. But at the same aspect, every different case is different. So, or every case is different. So for me personally, I've been having some issues with a friend of mine and in my mind. Because of the place that she is in in her life right now, it is not, it would not be proactive for me to talk to her right now. She kind of has to get out of her own way. She kind of has to stop being, you know, so enthralled with what's going on around her to actually realize, you know, that she's hurting the people that are closest to her. And so, like I said, really evaluate the situation, but also know that people are going to treat you shitty. And... It is your job to make sure that you don't let that bother you. Now, it can hurt, absolutely. I'm I'm very hurt by the way that my friend has been acting to me lately. But the best thing that I can do is hope that she maybe one day realizes what she's doing and to kind of keep it moving and to kind of focus on the people in your life that, that do treat you with the respect, that do text you back, that do call you back. Um... I think it's just so important for your mental well-being is to not let those people affect you. And I know that it's hard. I struggle with it. I've been struggling with it for almost two weeks, which is probably another reason why I'm so tired is because, you know, physically I'm tired, mentally I'm tired, emotionally I'm I'm tired, Um, you know, because when you deal with 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 friendships and relationships it can be very time consuming in your mind because you overthink about a lot of things and i know that it's hard to to not overthink but just remember at the end of the day if you choose not to answer the person back for a couple hours if you see them text you and you're like you know what i don't really want to talk to this person right now because they're kind of treating me like shit it's not you being petty it's you being it's you protecting yourself from from the future It's you protecting your future self from this person being shitty towards you. So just keep that in mind. I don't want to talk too much about that because this is a horror movie review. Um, But just remember, people are going to do whatever the fuck they want at the end of the day. And if they're not making time for you, then fuck them and let them live the path that they're on. And, you know, maybe one day they'll figure it out. Maybe not. But you're going to be a better person at the end of the day because you're not going to let it bother you. Okay. that's done. (laughs) Oh, and if you're the person who is listening to this podcast and you're treating your friends like shit and you're the one who's looking at their text messages and not answering them back but then posting all over your social media, just get your shit together. It takes 2.5 seconds to answer somebody back. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> so guys, this evening, we are going to be doing Hell House LLC. Um, so obviously, first, we're going to start with the Rotten Tomatoes, and then I'm going to give you the IMDb rating. We're going to go into a very detailed summary of the movie where I talk about the plot, the actors. Uh, I'm going to give you a short synopsis of the film before you even get into it. And then at the end, you're going to get my honest and horrific opinion, so definitely stick around. Okay. Okay. So Rotten Tomatoes gave Hell House LLC an 83%, with 68% of the audience liking it, and IMDb gave it a 6.4 out of 10. So this movie was released November 1st, 2016, with a running time of 93 minutes. It was written and directed by Stephen Cognetti. So, short synopsis of the film, five years after an unexplained malfunction causes the death of 15 tour goers and staff on the opening night of a Halloween haunted house tour, a documentary crew travels back to the scene of the tragedy to find out what really happened. So... As you guys know, if you've listened to my other episodes, especially during Found Footage February, you know that I fucking live for found footage films. They are my favorite. I also love mockumentary films where they kind of interview people that are either either in the town or somebody who wrote about it or things like that. So this movie pretty much possessed literally everything that I love about found footage horror mockumentaries. Um... So we first uh, we get our first introduction to the movie with the words, What you're about to see is a documentary on the mysterious evening events surrounding the 2009 haunted house tour tragedy. Um, so as I said, this is found footage. Found footage is my favorite kind of horror. So we then see two people, Diane, who I think is the documentarian, uh, going to check out where the events took place, aka the Abaddon Hotel. Uh, The hotel looks to be completely boarded up and locked. We then see another scene start and she's interviewing Martin uh, Martin Cleaver, who is a journalist. I assume that he's a local journalist. Um, She's asking him about the hotel. We then have an eyewitness that was there the night of, uh, the tragedy. Her name is Miranda Kelly. Both say they have no idea what happened that night. Um, so we then, we then go back to the, to the scene of Diane trying to get inside of, um, the Abaddon Hotel. Um, we then get the news report of what happened the night when all hell broke loose at Hell House. So we find out that it was the opening night of the Abaddon Haunted Hotel, um, and that it included multiple deaths. We then meet author Robert Lyons, who explained the victims were different ages and who, they were basically paying for a scare in a controlled environment, but they got t- total chaos instead. Uh, we also find out that it was an abandoned hotel that was transformed into a haunted house. So it's pretty much the only backstory we have right now. So we have this this crew of people who um, are coming in to transform this abandoned hotel into a haunted house attraction. Um, so we then get some more text on the screen that's saying on October 8th, 2009, a haunted house opened its doors in Abaddon, New York, a small town outside of New York city in Rockland County. We continue to get more news coverage of the people that are involved that night as well. We also learn that a video shot by a tour goer was uploaded to YouTube and it captured the scene inside as the chaos broke out. Um, so then it starts to play the video. We are now with the haunted house goers inside the hotel. So it's your typical run-of-the-mill haunted house with lights and screaming, props, things like that. Um, we then see a, a clown rush by them and the girl in the video turns and is like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, I wonder if he works here. Um, we then see another girl run past them and run out an exit door and bolt up some stairs. So the guy who's recording kind of plays it off and he's like, "Oh wow, like great opening first night, and you already have technical difficulties." Um, we then um, we then uh, hit some stairs that are going down to the basement, and this is where the shit starts to kind of get a little crazy. People are pushing to get back up. Uh, there's people at the top of the stairs trying to get back down. Um, We really can't see too much, but we definitely hear a lot of screaming. Uh, We do hear a worker on a walkie asking what was going on in the basement. Uh, We then follow the chaos as the two get out of the house, and we continue to hear screaming, and we're greeted with sirens. Um, So not really too much. We can see really what's going on. All that we know is the activity happened, you know, the All the bad stuff happened in the basement. (laughs) Um, So then we cut to the news coverage of a body covered in a sheet on a gurney being uh, wheeled out of the hotel. We then learn um, of a 911 call that was leaked and confused people even more. So it sounded like something was being pulled into the wall uh, and then the phone cuts off. But before it does, we also hear like a weird growling. So basically... Someone, some tour goer was in the basement and called 911. Um, and that's when the authorities showed up. Uh, we then hear that the accident was due to a severe malfunction, kind of like a gas leak, but nothing else is really explained to the public. Um, and then we learned the journalist from earlier, earlier, Martin Cleaver, actually got into the house and took some pictures and put them on the internet. Uh, so we shift back to Cleaver, and he tells us that no one was allowed to talk about what happened, so it was like a gag order on what everybody saw that night. Uh, we then learned that Cleaver went to the hotel, went to the back of the house, found a low window, you know, kicked off the boards and climbed inside. So in the next scene, we see the photos he took and we see there's just, like, a ton of blood on the walls and on the floor. We see, like, bloody fingerprints. Um, Just, you know, a normal, typical horror movie uh scene <laughs> um we then get a really cool effect of the photos kind of interlooping with the youtube video captured from that night uh we then get a pretty good build up to the basement door photos which was really creepy um and this is when we see like the bloody handprints and and the on the walls and the stairs looks like somebody was being like dragged back down the stairs um We then learn that Sarah Havel, a member of Hell House, reached out to documentarian Diane Graves and agreed to an interview at a hotel near Abaddon. Uh, We then start to see clips from the interview, and we learn that she has not been heard of since the tragedy. Uh, We also learn that she is 30 years old and has been staying with her family since everything kind of went down. So as Diane is interviewing Sarah, we see that Sarah is... Like a little recluse. She's very quiet. Um, So obviously we can assume that she's still very traumatized from the events that happened that night. Um, She also mentioned that she's in a better place now and um, says how it's better that people don't know what happened that night. We then learn that everything has everything that happened on opening night of the hotel was actually videotaped, and this is when Sarah like grabs like a black bag next to her and she gives Diane a bag of tapes. Um, so it's definitely a haunting scene as her Sarah interviewed for sure. Um, we then see Diane's one of her crew guys uh, takes the tapes, and we begin viewing the pleasures. Um, we then begin the viewing pleasures of Hell House footage from August twenty third to opening night, October 8th, 2009. So, uh, our first shot is of Sarah looking much more animated and more alive on August 23rd, which is 46 days before opening night. We then meet the rest of the team, Paul, Alex, Mac, and Tony. So it looks like they're kind of scouting the area of the Abaddon hotel. We then see the group gets their first inside views of the house as well as us. um, They are then arguing back and forth on whether or not they're going to be able to fix up the place before Halloween. Uh, We then have Tony and Paul in what appears to be the attic, and they all have walkie-talkies, and they start to hear weird noises over the walkie-talkies. We are then interrupted by Alex on the walkie, calling them down to the basement, Um, So as the camera pans to the infamous basement, we get a weird dark outline of something in one of the rooms. It looks like a hooded figure. Uh, We then get our first glimpse of the basement, which is covered in satanic symbols and numbers that were not put there by the crew. Um, We also learn they're going to chain a scare actor to the wall. And they're going to also have props um, against the wall as well. Um, Sarah then brings up how unsettling the place is, and we also see that there's Bibles down there. Um, so, as we are viewing the hotel tapes, we also go back to Sarah's interview with Diane. Um, after Tony and Paul were uh, able to get the electricity going, the group actually stays in the hotel. Um, Sarah then says, You know, this is when things are starting to change. Um, now we see that it's September 8th, 30 days before opening night, and the group is hanging around the hotel bar. Uh, we then start to get a little backstory. It seems the group has opened haunted house all over the New York area. Uh, so in the next scene, we have uh, we are with the guys checking out the secu- uh, security cam footage, and we see that there is a blind spot in the basement because of the stone walls. Um, so they, ne- they, den- they then decide to put a security guard down there, um, to make sure that things stay safe. So basically they're going to hire a big dude who's going to uh, put on a clown costume and make sure that everything stays uh, Um So then we have short little clips of Paul explaining to Webb that Alex wants everything captured on film. And we also get uh, Paul playing a very creepy piano tune. Um, we then get a little vlog style with the cameraman Paul in his hotel room at the Abaddon. Um, we see there's a creepy red glow outside of his bedroom. Uh, we then see the silhouette of something coming into his room, and he isn't paying attention um, as he continues to vlog about like wanting to get laid. <laughs> um, he then hears something behind him, uh, and he turns and he assumes that it's Sarah who's sleepwalking, and um, He's kind of just like, "Hey, what's up, dude? Like, you okay?" And the figure then just like walks out of his room. Um, so in the next scene, we meet our scare actors. We then go back to Martin Cleaver, uh, Cleaver, who was the journalist and the breaking photographer uh, from earlier, who actually snagged an interview with one of the cops who was first on the scene. Um, he said the first body the cop came upon was one of the Hell House members who had slit their own throat. So that was creepy. <laughs> uh, we then learn about the very sad and strange case of Joey of Joey uh, Schaeffler, who is actually the bodyguard that they were gonna, the security guard that they were gonna have in the basement with the the scare actor. Um, he actually made it out alive. Uh, authorities tried to talk to him, but he refused. And then nine days later, he was found dead in his bedroom due to hanging himself. Um, so it's now September eighteenth, nineteen days before opening night. We are with Alex Paul, the scare actor who is playing the girl chained up in the basement, and I believe her name is Melissa. So Alex is explaining that she is their main attraction and how her part of the her part of the uh, the haunted house is very important. Um, so throughout the film, the group is pestering Alex about kind of like what actually happened to the hotel. Um And then we find out that the uh, owner of the of, of the hotel actually hung himself. Um, we also learn that they, that when guests would stay at the hotel, like weird things would happen. Um, so it also seems that there is a legend or like a rumors around Hell House and that weird things happen that the town can't really explain. Um, then we learned about Andrew Tully. So Andrew Tully built the Abaddon Hotel because of the name of the town. In the Bible, the demon Abaddon is the demon who guards the gateway to hell. Some people even thought Tully was the head of some cult. We also learned that the first guest to go missing was an 11-year-old girl and her mother. Tully was questioned by the police several times, but was cleared when he was able to show evidence that they had indeed left. But the incident was enough to kill his hotel business, and a few months later, he hung himself in the dining room of the hotel. We then get a picture of Tully in the dining room, hanging himself, and at the bottom it just says, like, police evidence. Um, so in the next scene, we see the team is putting up their props in the basement, uh, which are three creepy-ass-bucking-clowns <laughs> sitting opposite Melissa the Scare Actor, who's chained up to the wall, as I said before. Um, so now we are back with Paul in his hotel room vlog style. He has woken up because he heard a strange noise, and he's going to investigate. He then sees that everyone else is awake too because it sounded like someone was screaming. Uh, They all heard a weird creaking static noise, but nothing comes of it as we go into the next scene. Um, So now we see the team is still in good spirits. We see that they're having fun putting the props up and getting things ready for opening night. Uh, We also see interactions with Joey. AK the security guard, uh, dressed up as a clown. We are now walking around the hotel when Paul, um, with Paul and we see all the props, um and we kind of get to see we got and get like a glimpse of all like the the things that they've been setting up for the past few days um, and now we see that one of the props from downstairs is now upstairs and standing very a very creepily facing basement doors or the basement stairs so it was mentioned in earlier scenes too that these clown mannequins that were downstairs their heads don't move um, so their heads can only be f- put into one position Um and since they're mannequins, they're either able to stand up or sit down um, kind of on you know, not on their own, but on their own, if that makes sense. You know how like mannequins, you can either have them standing or have them sitting. So now we see that one of the more creepier um, clowns <laughs> is now is now moved and is um, moved from downstairs to upstairs. So Paul assumes that it's Tony in the costume. Um, Paul then turns to go back, still not bothered by the unknown person under the mask he just saw. He then runs into Tony and Mac and is like, what the fuck? Like, how did you get back here? And he runs back to where he saw the uh, mannequin, but it's gone. He then runs into the basement. Um, He sees that the mannequin is now back where it should be and just assumes that it's Alex. Um, he then starts running back up the stairs, and we cut to the next scene with the group watching back the strange footage that Paul captured on, um, his camera. Uh, the team assumes it's just Paul and Tony playing a prank on them, and, um... Yeah, that's kind of puts a rest after that. Uh, we then cut to the next scene of them setting up more props outside for a commercial. Uh, we then get a creepy shot of Sarah transfixed in the background on what I believe is a Virgin Mary statue. Uh, we then cut to another scene of them hanging the Hell House sign. Uh, then Tony and Paul kind of do a vlog style of the hotel again. Um I think it's a GoPro, actually, on top of Paul's head to get, like, a guest's point of view of the hotel. So they're kind of going to do, like, a run-through of what the, what the experience would be for one of their tour goers. Um, then we see Tony is kind of just like, all right, man, like I'm going to lock you in. And he's like, okay. Uh, Tony then cuts the lights. They cue the strobes. And we start to see a very weird and creepy figure appearing and disappearing. Um, Paul's on his walkie and says like, hey, Tony, like how many freaks did we have in here? And he said we had three. But as the strobes go in and out, we see that it's actually – there's four freaks that are there. So Paul starts freaking out. Um, He's, like, screaming for Tony to get him – out of there he he goes through this other part of the uh to get out we see him like i believe it's the back of the it's like the back of the bar because we see him like jump over the bar and he starts throwing up um as soon as he gets out of that portion of the hotel uh we then get a side-by-side of what it looked like with the light on versus when the strobes were produced um so what makes it so good is that whatever is whatever entities are in this house, they're basically just moving the team's props. Um, so and and it's like they're moving the the props that are in the basement where most of the activity is going on, of course. Um, so I think that's what really added to the element of this whole movie is that we don't really ever see too much. We see like. hooded figure in the beginning which I explained and then we kind of just get like whatever entities are inside of the hotel you know whatever negative demonic spirits are inside the hotel are actually just fucking with the props so I thought that was really cool Um, The next scene, we have Paul arguing with Alex because he's so freaked out, Um, but with only two weeks to go before opening, Alex um, is basically saying, I'm not going to shut it down. Um, We then get more of a backstory on the group. So Alex and Sarah have been together for years. Um, Alex and Mac actually grew up together and Tony and Paul were Alex's first hire. So they definitely have each other's back. Um, They're definitely, they have a tight bond. We also get, some sentimental shots of the group smiling and laughing as we hear about their bond from the author who Diane is continuing to interview. So, I do, um, I did enjoy that they kind of made the film more sentimental, uh, with the group, but I'll get more into my opinion at the end. Okay, so moving on, uh, now we're back with Paul in his hotel room, and he's clearly not doing okay. Uh, he is awoken by his door opening. He then grabs his camera. He goes into the hallway, turns a corner, and we see the creepy clown prop is at the bottom of the stairs. So it's the same one that he saw earlier. Um, Tony then hears Alex, and Alex shows Tony the prop has moved again. Tony assumes Paul moved it, um, but Tony's like, man, like it wasn't fucking me. Like I was fucking sleeping. Tony slowly then starts to go down the stairs. He grabs, he like hits the mannequin on the top of the head and goes, it's just a mannequin. Picks up a mannequin to put it back. Paul is walks in front of Tony, and we see um, the outline of somebody standing, um, facing the wall in the dark, and we hear, or we see that it's Sarah. Um, so we see um, that Sarah is facing the wall, and she's speaking in what appears to be a foreign language, but it almost sounds like she's speaking backwards. I did have my headphones in when I was watching this uh, film, so It was much creepier because you actually hear her talking backwards before you see her. Um, So I was like, what the fuck is that noise? Um, Tony is able to get her out of her weird fog, and she starts crying. She's very, very freaked out. She's clearly shaken because she's got no idea how she got there. And um, now she's just freaking out. Um, Then they both realize that the clown is missing again, the clown mannequin. So the three are now kind of walking through the hotel at a fast pace, um, and they're trying to find where the hell this mannequin went. And they go into the dining room. And they're like, "Okay, like it's clear there's nothing in here." Um, they then turn to leave out of the dining room because the dining room is connected to a hallway. And they hear a grandfather clock chiming. So then they turn around and they they you know go into the hallway again that that leads into the dining room. And, um, they see the, there's candles on the table that are now lit, um, and they go to run, and then they come face-to-face with a clown mannequin again, um, so then we cut to the next scene. We see that everyone is really freaked out, um, but we have to assume that the show does go on. In um, the next scene, Paul's in his room, and we have a clear shot of the door behind him with the same eerie red gr- glow. So I assume these these red glowy are the exit signs. Um, so he's now talking to the camera, very shaken up. He basically is just like three days until the opening night of Hell House, like yippee. Uh, he says, I personally believe we have no business being here. Alex is more confident than ever, whereas Sarah doesn't look good. She usually does. That's all from me. Sleep, sweet. And then he then turns off the camera. So then we get a very creepy and very disturbing scene of Paul waking up and switching on the camera light. It's still dark outside. Um, and this scene, swear to God, guys, gets me every fucking time. Freaks me out so much. Um, so we see behind him that there is a girl sitting on the floor in a nightgown. She's kind of like propped up against the wall and she's facing forward. Um, He picks up the camera, and that's when he notices the girl is in his bedroom, and he immediately throws the cover over his head. Um, He then moves the cover a little, and we see the girl is now facing him. Um, He then puts the blanket back up. A couple seconds later, he moves the blanket again, and now she's inches away from his face. The camera cuts, and then we hear him screaming. So... This part of the film, uh, this scene in particular, definitely gets me every single time. I remember, I, I have seen this movie before. Um, I obviously rewatched it for the podcast. And I remember this scene happens. And when, you know, he flicks his camera on and I see the girl in the foreground, I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, it just, it freaks me out every single time. Um, so, the next is so then we cut to the next scene. We see uh, Tony finding the camera, but no Paul. The group is then walking through the house doing last minute things before opening night and are arguing about where Paul is. Um, they then realize that no one has bothered to call Paul. So, Alex calls Paul uh, and it picks up, but instead of hello, we get a very high pitched screaming noise. So And then he drops the phone to the ground. Um, So then we cut to the next scene, and Mac and Tony are awoken by piano music, a.k.a. the same tone that Paul played earlier in the movie. Um, So they go to investigate, assuming it's Paul messing with them again. The music gets louder as they get closer, and then it stops as they make it to the front entrance where the piano is. Um, they look around for Paul because they're just assuming that it's him, but they can't find him. Um, they then hear like somebody like slam on the piano, the piano keys, but it there's nobody there. They then hear low thumping and yelling uh, that sounds like it's Paul. So they are now running through the haunted hotel yelling for him. Um, we then uh, hear the second thing about the basement steps that are foreshadowing. Um, I believe if Matt goes, "We are going to die on these stairs," because the stairs. I, I just think that they're just very, they're probably very steep stairs, and they're probably like crumbling. Um, earlier in the movie, which I didn't mention, when they had first gotten to, they kind of did their like their scan of of Hell House. Um, they were they went down the basement stairs and someone's like oh my god like you could break your neck walking down these stairs so a little foreshadowing right there um we then get a very blair witch uh project moment of being in a creepy basement with only their flashlights as a light source and the creepy ass clowns they continue to search the basement for paul and we see there's like an old freezer so they check in there and they see no paul Mac then turns, and we see the clowns are now facing them. And if you guys remember from earlier, I said that they were unable to get the mannequin clowns to move their heads, and now all the mannequin heads are facing them. Um, so Mac is freaking out. Um, he's telling Tony they moved. Tony's like, you know that the mannequin heads don't move. So then they brace themselves to get out of the, wa- the walk-in freezer, and the heads are now moved back to their original position. And Tony is just continuing to blame Paul for the whole thing. Um, and then the camera pans over to the other side of the basement and they actually find Paul sitting in the same position as the girl who is in his bedroom against the wall. Um, they try to get Paul to talk, but he doesn't. We then jump into the next scene with Tony trying to convince Alex that something is wrong with Hell House and they need to close it down. Tony then goes on a fuck rampage. And I think he says fuck about 10 times before he decides that he's quitting. Um, we also learn that the following evening is opening night. Um, Tony and Mac are now outside yelling at each other. Uh, we then get some eerie shots of Sarah and the outside of the hotel. Um, we get a pretty cool shot of them in a field across from the hotel. So when I say they, I mean Tony and Mac, they're across the street and they're sitting in this field, um, and they're kind of talking about what's going on. We then cut back to Sarah's interview, and is asking if everyone is mentally prepared for opening night and if the, it was even safe to open. So basically, Diana is saying, like, well, did you guys, does anything happen before opening night that would, you know, trigger you to think that this isn't such a good idea? Um, and um, Sarah kind of just doesn't really say anything, and she then asks Sarah why she wouldn't leave the house. Sarah then says, Alex wasn't going to leave, so I had to stay. Uh, we then uh, cut back to the eyewitness from that night. Uh, Diane asks if she noticed anything that might have been off when she was there. Um, she then uh, The witness shakes her head and says, but then says how she remembered the clown who was running up the basement stairs. The witness then explains that they were stuck in the basement hallway because everyone was down there and was trying to get out. Um, so another thing I wanted to mention, uh, Tony and... Um, Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say this. Um, we we learn that Alex has screwed them all over, um, and only t- Tony and Alex knew. So what I interpreted from this scene, the conversation between Tony and Mac in that field, was that Alex knew the background of the Abaddon Hotel, and he knew the rumors, and he knew the legend, but he brought his team in anyway, and um, yeah, so it's kind of like he he brought them there not under false pretenses, but also not telling the truth. In the beginning of the movie, Alex actually says, oh, there was a pipe burst and there were some lawsuits. But in reality, Alex knew that there was some creepy fucked up shit going on at the Apton Hotel. But he did not inform the team. Um, which is what I assume is happening in that conversation because uh, Mac is saying, like, and you knew... And Tony's like, yeah, I knew, and he's like, Alex and I were the only ones that knew. So that's what I that's what I kind of take away from that scene. Um, so as I said, uh, we were just with the witness. He's explaining how they were all kind of stuck in the basement uh, hallway. Uh, everyone was down there, and everyone was trying to get out. So we are now with uh, we're back with Alex, and he is rallying the scare actors for opening night. Uh, Tony then apologizes to Alex about his reaction. Uh, Tony then goes and checks on Paul. It looks like he's sleeping. Um, it is now October 8th, and it's opening night, with a huge line of people waiting to get inside. We now see the scare actors are in place in the basement as well. We see that Joey is the holder of the key to Melissa's chain, because she's chained up to the pipes that are exposed in the ceiling. Um, it seems that Melissa is kind of already on edge, and she's asking if Mac is okay. Um, she also brought up earlier in, in conversation, she's like, where's Paul. And they're kind of just like don't really give her the right answer. Or they don't really give her an answer. So it seems like Melissa is kind of picking up on the vibe that something isn't right. Now, Melissa was the first one that kind of talked, started talking about the rumors and the legend of the Abaddon Hotel. So I think that. And, but then, you know, Tony is able to basically like everything's fine. Um, or I'm sorry, Mac. Um, and Mac is just like everything's cool. like Everything's fine. Like, this is going to be great. Um, so now we're back with uh, Tony and Alex in the control room. Um, and they're kind of talking to everybody. And we start to see the walkies are malfunctioning. But everyone's in position and um, the doors are about to open. We then get footage off of Mac's GoPro that's on his head. Um, and we see, uh, we also have the home video off YouTube playing as well. So we kind of get both angles of everything Um, which is really cool. So then we get some really cool behind the scenes of how haunted houses actually work. Um, we also see the customers as well. Uh, so now we get the head, um, so we then get the head cam video as well as the original video from the beginning, as I just said, Sarah is with Mac now in this kind of like secret, like cubby hole in the, in the hotel. Um, and she's saying that she just saw Paul and like how it freaked her out. So Mac's like, Oh, don't worry. Like I'll take care of it. Um, so then shit really starts to go down. We see that Joey has now run out of the basement past Mac and Sarah. Um, we then see that the girl who ran up the stairs originally on the YouTube video was Sarah trying to figure out why Joey ran up the stairs. Uh, we then get recovered footage of the basement incident. Um, it seems that some dark entity has appeared in the corner of the room and Melissa is yelling, for joey to unlock before unlock her before he runs away uh she is screaming to the customers that this isn't part of the show the dark hooded figure then gets closer closer to her while everyone is freaking out mac is trying to get as many people out as possible before the exit door slams shut we continue to hear melissa screaming and tony and mac are trying to get to the basement and we see a little ghost girl in the dining room The basement door then slams shut just as Tony is being cornered uh, by this black entity. Um, Mac then turns and runs into Sarah as they go up to the attic to see Alex is being hung from the ceiling. Um, We then get uh, weird hooded things, figures circling Mac and Sarah before closing in on them. The camera then drops and we see Alex's shadow going back and forth before the tape cuts off. Uh, We are now, or it's swinging back and forth, I should say. Uh, So now we are back with Sarah and Diane. So somehow Sarah was able to escape from the house. Diane then asks why all this was kept from the public. We also see that Sarah is starting to get kind of overwhelmed a little bit by the questions and asks if they can take a break. Diane says, oh my gosh, of course, like no problem. Like we can get you a room in the hotel that we're staying at. Um, Sarah then says, no, it's okay. I already have a room. I'm in room 2C. Sarah then tells Diane she should really get inside the house if she can to see what's inside. Um, So this is kind of where it starts to get a little weird. Um, Sarah is basically like urging them to go inside this house. Um, So Sarah then leaves to go back to her hotel room, and Diane is convincing her crew that they need to see inside the house. Um, So then she goes to the front desk and tells the receptionist that if the woman in 2C... Sarah, uh, asks for her. They would be out for about an hour. We then find out that none of their rooms have letters and that Sarah isn't even staying at the hotel. (laughs) Uh, her cameraman assumes he's just like, Oh, she probably didn't even give her real name or the real room number. Um, so Dan's like, okay, like whatever. Like, so then they leave. Uh, we then learn that, um, Mitchell, is someone part of the crew stays behind to catalog the footage and what he sees after Diane leaves is unexplainable. So we're back in the hotel and someone has grabbed the camera, which I assume is Sarah, who is trying to get out of the house. Uh, we continue to hear distant screaming. We then see Sarah puts the camera down and we see Paul is standing in the doorway of to get out and she's hugging Paul, but Paul is not hugging her back. Paul then takes the camera And he starts bashing Sarah's head in with it. Um, And then we see the camera is now next to Sarah. And we see that Sarah is being dragged by some unknown force away. And then um, we see Paul pick up a piece of broken glass and he slits his own throat. This is when we hear banging on the front door. And then we hear someone break the front door or break the glass on the front door and get in, which goes back to the other story that the journalist had said, or the author had said about how the first, Oh no, I'm sorry. It was the journalist, um, about how the first uh, cop on the scene, um, saw the first victim as a self-inflicted, um, throat cut, which is what we just saw. So I, I did, I did enjoy that interlooping of everything. Um, So... Um, we are now back with Diane and the cameraman at Hell House, and they have found their way inside, completely unaware that Sarah is actually dead. Um, so we are following them throughout the hotel, um, overlapping footage from the tapes and Diane tapes. It's pretty cool. Um, so it's like, basically they would get to a certain part. Like there was one part, they got to the bar and Diane was like, oh my God, like this is the bar they were at. And, um, then it would have like overlapping photo of the crew, like. In happier times, like drinking and hanging out at the bar. Um, So, Diane is basically just super intrigued by everything she sees around her. Her phone then rings and we see that it's Mitchell. um, But Diane clicks the call off without picking it up. So, obviously, this is Mitchell calling to be like, dude, get out of the fucking house. But... She doesn't pick up the phone. She's like, oh, I'll I'll, I'll call him back on the way home. Um, They then come across the room to see at the top of the stairs. So the cameraman the entire time is basically like, we shouldn't be here. Like, we need to get the fuck out. Um, He's basically saying, fuck that. But Diane opens the door anyways, and we see Sarah is sitting on the bed facing the window. So we cannot see her face. Diane then walks into the room and asks Sarah if she's okay. Sarah then turns, and we see that her face is all kinds of looked up. And we see the dark hooded figures behind her, and they close in on her. Uh, they close in on the two while we just hear them screaming, and then the footage cuts off. Um, we then hear the eerie piano music before the camera completely cuts off. Um, we then get a picture of the um, the group with the words. Uh, to this day, the tragedy of the Abaddon Hotel remains a mystery to the public. Um, okay, and that is the end of the movie. So, on to my thoughts and my opinion. Overall, guys, I love this movie. Now, I know there is a sequel to this movie, and I have not seen it yet. Um, because I, I remember starting it, and the beginning of it was terrible but everybody said they're like oh you just got to get past like the opening part of the movie and then the rest of it's really good so I don't know I, I, I it is something that I should watch I know because I did love the first film so much um, so I think the reason I liked this film was not only because it was on footage and it was a mockumentary but I also was connected to these group of people um, the you know the writer and the director, um, and the, you know, the production and everything. Um, Stephen Cognetti, they did such a good job of interlacing the uh, past with the present, with the videos, uh, the YouTube videos, things like that. I really enjoyed um, all of that. They did a great job doing the backstory. Uh, I really felt that these people, it it felt really real. And sometimes when you watch found footage films, they can can be really cheesy. They're still good, but they're cheesy. And I think the actors in this movie were great. I mean, even when they were interviewing the journalist and the author they did such a good job. Like it just came off so real. And um, this movie reminded me a mix of Butterfly Kisses and The Houses That October Built. Um, so Butterfly Kisses is a mockumentary where they interview different people. Um, I did a podcast on the, on that film if you want to go check that out. Um, and The Houses That October Built um, is about a group of of people friends who are traveling around the United States and they are doing all, or they're visiting all these different uh, haunted houses. Um, so also a really great movie. If you haven't seen that movie. I would go check that out too. I have not done a podcast on the app, but definitely as it gets closer to Halloween, look out for that. Cause that is a great fun footage film as well. Um, I know it was on Hulu for a little bit. Um, but I'm not sure where it's streaming currently. Um, but anyway, um, I really, really like this movie. I was very impressed by this movie. I remember when I first started my podcast back in October, um, I think I, I tweeted out that I loved found footage, and I had somebody tweet me back um, or tweet a reply and say, oh, if you love found footage, you got to watch Hell House LLC. And it might have been Patrick, actually. I'm not sure. Um, but whoever it was said, like, it's really good. Um, you can find it here. Um and, you know, it's kind of like it's it's one of those movies that doesn't really get the recognition that it deserves. Now, there are a lot of people in the horror community that do know about this movie and that do love this movie. Um, so a couple other things I kind of want to touch on. So I'm going to – I actually have not looked at any like, the trivia or anything. Um, I know that IMDb.com does um, trivia about different kinds of movies. So let's look it up really quick. Um. So. Oh. This movie star. I didn't even say this in the beginning. Gore Adams, Alex, Alice Beckley, and uh, Danny Bellini. Um, I did not recognize any of these people from any other movies. Uh, okay. Let's see if there's any trivia about this movie. Um. After one of the scares, Paul runs out of the strobe light room and throws up. That was real and not scripted. The actor threw it for real on camera. That's disgusting. (laughs) Um, So... Which is funny, um, the film was actually shot at a real haunted house attraction in Lee in Pennsylvania called The Haunting of the w- Waldorf Hotel, uh, the haunted takeover in abandoned hotel, just like in the movie, which is interesting because I've actually been to that, uh, that hotel, or I've actually been to this um, particular haunted house. I went last year during Halloween time, and as I was watching this movie back today, um, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I've been there before. I was like, this, I was like, this looks exactly like the haunted house and that was in that's at, in Lehigh in Pennsylvania and it actually was. So, I'm glad that I cleared that up because as I was watching the movie, I was like this looks exactly like the haunting of at the Waldorf Hotel. Um so I did I did really like that because I was like this looks exactly like it. So, that um that was really cool because I actually went through that entire haunted house. Um, so I, I, did think that was really cool. Um, so yes, guys, I have actually been to this haunted house and I made it out alive. <laughs> um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, so, and that is actually a really good. Um, that is a really good haunted, um, haunted house. So if you are in the area of Pennsylvania and you are close to the, uh, uh, the haunting at the of Hotel, I would definitely go check it out. It's really cool. Um, So, in the scenes involving the clown, lead actors Danny Bellini and Jared Hacker were the ones wearing the clown costume and mask. Uh, The mannequin that the clown mask was normally on wouldn't uh, wouldn't stand well, so a person had to be standing still. Um, Let's see. The writer and director, Stephen Cognetti, is uncredited in the movie, but he plays the cameraman with the tour group in the main sequence of the film. So, that's cool um producer j uh joe budlini is uncredited in this movie but he plays diane's cameraman throughout the film in the air um the interviews and final sequence so that's really cool um so yeah i think that's gonna be it for my opinion if you like i said if you have not checked this movie out definitely go check it out um and if you are in the area, that you can go to this, ho- uh, you can go to this. It's really cool. It's called. Co- you know what? It's it was it was fun. I t- I can't remember if we went into the basement, um, but yeah, it's it's a really good uh, hotel, and I'm actually really excited. I'm definitely gonna talk about that when I tweet the movie out <laughs> to do this because, um, I I. I was watching the film back and I was just like, this looks exactly like the hotel that I, you know, the haunted house that I went to and no shit it is. (laughs) So, um, I'm going to be really excited to go. I'm definitely going to go back to that, um, this upcoming October and, um, yeah. So I think that's going to be it. Um... I really just, I really urge you guys to watch this movie if you like found footage films and if you like um, haunted house movies. Um, I'm really excited that I finally did this one, and I'm really excited that uh, you guys were anticipating this one, and I can finally do it because it definitely goes along with the theme. Um, so I think it's gonna be it, guys. Um, so that's gonna be this uh, it for this episode of Four Nights in Podcast. Um, did you like this movie? Did you hate it? What's your honest and horrific opinion on um, Hell House Lec, Sorry, guys. I told you I'm so tired. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening to this episode of Horror Nights in Podcast with me and Crystal. Please remember to follow my podcast on whatever app you use. And if you could please rate Horror Nights in Podcast on iTunes, uh, that'd be cool, as I said in the beginning. I would greatly appreciate it. And I will chat with you guys next week for another episode of Horror Nights in Podcast. All right. Bye, guys. Yeah. To enter a world of darkness a world where life and death are meaningless And pain is God What? Oh, do some scary movie You like scary movies? Uh-huh What's your favorite scary movie? Uh-huh.